This is episode number 176 with Sharon Spano. Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. At each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody. So excited to be here with you guys today. Look, we've got a freaking awesome show coming your way today. And I get really fired up when the message behind the speaker that comes on is actually so full of depth. You're going to hear about that today with Dr. Sharon Spano. But I wanted to let you guys know, if you haven't checked out the Human Charger yet, I've gotten a ton of comments lately, more than I ever have, about people using the Human Charger in order to improve their lives. Now, look, if you haven't heard about this from me, don't claim that you're following me on any social media platform, because I know you've heard about the Human Charger. I can't stop talking about this, guys. As those of you know who have the Human Charger, recent discoveries have shown that there are photosensitive receptors throughout the human brain much like those located in the retina of the eye that do what? They capture sunlight or the effects of sunlight as it comes in. So those receptors can be accessed by light flowing through the ear canals and ear structure and even the nose using the human charger. So this bright light therapy device and its advanced LED earbud system is like one of a kind. Again, why I can't stop talking about it. When those photosensitive areas of the brain are stimulated by light, guys, it affects the neural circuits in the brain via neurotransmitters. So you've got serotonin, dopamine, noradrenaline. And what is the result? You experience an increase in energy levels, improved mood, increased mental alertness, and much faster recovery from the effects of jet lag. A lot of the audience that tunes into this podcast for peak performance even uses it for a pre-workout to get themselves amped up at the end of the day and ready for a killer workout. And the best thing about this, guys, is how easy it is to use. When you pop in those earbuds with the bright white with blue infused light earbuds, it only takes 12 minutes for you guys to go through a full session and you are charged up and ready to go. I've teamed up with the guys over at Valky to make this easy for you to get 20% off of this awesome device. Just head to success101podcast.com forward slash human charger and at checkout, enter the promo code success101 to snag your 20% off. I just used it about an hour ago before recording this podcast, and I know you guys are going to love it. Also want to tell you about an awesome meal replacement drink that is getting a ton of attention right now in the biohacking community and in the health community. And this thing is loaded with awesome stuff. Natural, real food ingredients, enhanced nutrient absorption and bioavailability. It's soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, no artificial sweeteners, no artificial flavors, and a whole bunch of awesome. Guys, it's got healthy fats. Coconut, macadamia nut, chia seed, sunflower, the MCTs, omega-3 fatty acids for fueling the brain and your body with energy that you guys want during the day. It's got quality proteins, grass-fed collagen. It's got clean carbohydrates. These were designed with a low glycemic impact, so you don't have to worry about putting crappy carbohydrates into your body. These run clean throughout the day. It's got probiotics, six strains of probiotics to be exact. 
It's got fiber and prebiotics. It's got plant-based micronutrients and a whole bunch of other goodness in there. If you don't get the point already, this is an awesome meal replacement drink. It's called Ample, A-M-P-L-E. And as you guys know, I test everything before I bring it out to my faithful audience here on the Success 101 podcast. I've partnered up with Ample to give you guys 15% off your order. All you have to do is head over to success101podcast.com forward slash Ample, A-M-P-L-E, and at checkout, enter code SUCCESS101 to grab your 15% off. They've got a 400-calorie drink, they've got a 600-calorie drink, and all the goodness I just mentioned comes in every one of those. Mix it up with water, mix it up with milk, mix it up inside of any other smoothie ingredients you want to add to it, and enjoy a whole lot of goodness as you guys reach higher levels of peak performance. Don't forget to enter SUCCESS101 as the promo code and go grab your order today for 15% off. Now, on to our awesome show today with Dr. Sharon Spano. Sharon is a business strategist, an author, and a professional integral coach who works with large and small business leaders and nonprofit organizations to help individuals and their companies realign their corporate strategy with a culture of performance that is dedicated to service and excellence. So whether you're a person in the midst of a change, an entrepreneur, an organizational leader, Sharon would love to help you discover a more meaningful and prosperous life. Some of the areas she loves to work with her clients on are leadership development, entrepreneurial and corporate business strategy, employee engagement, life balance and stress reduction. That's a big one. Communication and restructuring how you think about time and money, which is a lot of what we talk about today. I think you're going to hear, like I did as we got into our conversation, that the way people view time and the way people view money, whether an abundance mentality or a scarcity mentality, makes all the difference in the world when it comes to how you think about your future, how you think about your own business and personal goals, and how you are leading an organization or creating an entrepreneurial-based business for yourselves. So without any further delay, let's jump right to my conversation with Dr. Sharon Spano. Dr. Sharon Spano, welcome to the Success 101 podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jared, and thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to have a great discussion with you today. Absolutely. It's our honor as well. I know my team got you set up quite a while back. We've been waiting a few weeks to get you on here, which shows how much in demand and how busy you are nowadays, so that's good. But I'm really excited about the message that you're going to share with our listeners here. For my faithful listeners who have been around from the beginning, or even some that have jumped on in the newer stage of the podcast here, you guys probably know or by now should know that the Success 101 message, the reason I'm so passionate about this is that it really is the building blocks of success. We can't just wake up tomorrow and decide we're going to go be successful. I know a lot of your coaching has to do with that. And much of what we're going to talk about today is your new book that is out. And I'm really excited for you to dive into that, which again, not wanting to steal too much from you here, but it's not so much about time, money management. There's a lot of that out there today, but I'm curious to see what new spin, for lack of better words, you're going to put on this about really teaching people that it's deeper than that, this scarcity versus abundance mentality as well, and how prosperity, as you say in your writing, really has little to do with how much time or money we actually have, but it's more of a mindset. So take us through the origins of the book and your coaching and really what led to your work today as we know it around this time, money, idea, or relationship. Well, I'd be happy to it. I think for me, the curiosity began way back earlier in my career. I was a certified professional speaker for many years. and I actually traveled around the country and I was speaking in about 150 cities a year. 
And it was kind of in that time frame that I began to notice really how burdened people were out there in corporate America in general. It was kind of a shock to me, in fact, that people were getting up every day and feeling that sense of intense, that chase, if you will, around time and money. But even back then, I wasn't as conscious of it as I came to be later on in my doctoral work. And how long ago was that? And you said in the early stages, when would that have been? Gosh, who knows, maybe the 90s, I guess, when I was doing that level of travel. And I'm always so much in the future. I never remember (laughs) from the past, but I want to say it was in the 90s. And then when I went on into my doctorate program, I started to study the relationship between wisdom, leadership and human adult development. And that's when it really picked up for me, because what I began to notice based on the research that's out there And we know for a fact, actually, based on that research, that people in the earlier stages of human development often don't have the capacity to see or plan into the future beyond maybe six months to a year. So they tend to, you know, you kind of notice because those individuals will often talk about things in the past as though they're in the present. And so what I began to notice was for such individuals, the whole idea of time and money was really challenging for them because they're living more on immediate self-gratification. And not to put people into boxes, but it gives us a lens from which to examine, you know, what's working for us and what's not working for us. And then from that, I developed a time and money inventory, which is an assessment that helps people look at where they are on the spectrum between scarcity and abundance. And it's just been interesting to kind of watch this whole thing evolve. And from that, you know, the book started to really morph into, you know, a much bigger bigger project. So you know, as you alluded to, we're not really looking at time money management. We're looking at human consciousness, how we think about it, what are our paradigms around time and money. And one of the things that I'm contending is that the two are very, very closely linked. And we don't really recognize it in that way. I mean, even though we make kind of, you know, flippant comments like time is money, when you really start to dig into the nuances and the hidden dynamics around these two most important resources, you began to see that literally we're making dozens and dozens of decisions each and every day based on these two resources and often at a subconscious level without recognizing how, you know, again, we may be coming from constructs or or paradigms of scarcity and not necessarily uh, living it out to the full level of prosperity that we have the potential uh, to do. So I'm really just trying to start a conversation and wake people up to where they are and what kind of changes they might be willing to take in order to get to a different level of not only performance, but really that meaningful, prosperous life that I talk about in the book. Why would you say just with the work that you've done with different personality styles, different development styles, why would you think or what would be your expertise on this question here? Trying to think of how to frame this, because I think it's really important. But in a world of abundance technology, more money, literally, than we've ever had, ever Why do we have, as human beings today, trying to do so much, have such a scarcity mentality, such a negative mentality when it comes to us waking up, going out into a very abundant world like we've never had in the human race before? What do you think causes that in the biggest way for people, that self-sabotage, I guess is what I'm getting at? Well, I think it's a great question. And so if we look at it developmentally, part of it, I would contend, comes from what I write about in the book is our early childhood stories. So, you know, we were so impressionable in those early years. And if we've heard things about time or money, even in very subtle, nuanced ways from our family and our loved ones, and they're coming from scarcity, we're going to often step into those same paradigms and and we're going to embody them. You know, so that's the deeper level conversation that I alluded to earlier. 
But then I think there's just the reality of where we are in the world right now, which is a very, very exciting time, but we're being bombarded. I mean, literally, we're on call 24-7 now with the technology that we have, which is a great, great thing. I mean, I love that last week I was in Mexico and I was laying on the beach and, and working, you know, from my iPhone. That's a marvelous thing. Right. But the other side of that is that I think there's this kind of phenomenon that's occurring where, and I just had lunch with one of my colleagues today, we were talking about this very thing where there's this comparison thing that's also going on where, you know, the vanity numbers around social media, for example, you know, and I can compare myself with other coaches or you can compare yourself with other podcasters or whatever. And I think some of those numbers, those vanity numbers, if you will, while they're useful to us in terms of the metrics that we need, you know, in order to know how well we're doing, they also kind of catapult us into a scarcity mentality of I need to do more, 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 more. That's a great point. Great point on that. Well, and you and I were talking before we, we went on the air about, you know, Greg McEwen's work and he endorsed my book. And I'm so grateful because his book, Essentialism, was a, just a key element in my own life when I first read it that made me realize, you know, I had to step back and go, you know, I'm not a content marketer. I'm a consultant. I'm a business strategist. I work with a lot of business leaders and, and entrepreneurs who, frankly, are smack in the middle of some pretty heavy stuff. Often it's a personal or professional dilemma challenge or some kind of, of transition. And so my focus is always on the work itself and my clients. Do I need to do marketing? Absolutely. But am I a content marketer who can do all these things 24-7? That's not what I do. And it's not even what I desire to do. But yet there's the pressure that most of us in business, particularly entrepreneurs, I, I think, feel that you just can't, you know, get enough done. So part of my message then around time and money, to go back to the beginning of your question is, if we start a conversation with where did I get these messages from in my earlier years? And one of the things that we saw in the early stages of the time and money inventory, for instance, was the spectrum broke out fairly clearly on one end with scarcity being you know, pretty obvious, abundance being pretty obvious. What was fascinating to me was the moderate categories because moderate scarcity can often look like moderate abundance. And so that's the mom or dad or the boss or whomever that's doing everything right within quotation marks, and they're doing it in a responsible way. And it feels like abundance in their own mind, except for they're making very fear-based decisions. And that's scarcity. That's just another form of scarcity. So those nuances to me are very interesting. And then when you put on top of that, the conversation around uh, what developmental stage a person might be at, because those lenses, again, are very different for each stage. I think there's an opportunity for us to explore where you are, where you want to be, what's working, what's not working, and how might we get back to the basics. The other piece of it... Let me, I don't mean to cut you off there, but I want to camp out on that for just a moment, because I think I may have just come to a discovery here. I talk to my financial advisors. I've got a financial advising practice here in Dallas, office of about 40 or 50 people here. And so many of our young and tenure, they may be older in life, but young and tenure in the business, many times they will operate out of that scarcity mentality, whether it's where am I going to build my clients? Am I adequate enough to go speak to people about finances and money, those sort of things? And I preach that all the time to them is we have to be entrepreneurs. We have to invest in our practice. We have to think big. We have to live in a, an abundance mentality, not scarcity. And I've always for years now separated both of those. It's either your abundance or your scarcity. I think what you just said was, 
you can have a blend of both when you look at the development of the brain and how we think, which is you can have moderate scarcity, which can seem like moderate abundance. So you've got some abundance, you know, as far as your success there, but you're thinking about it in very scarcity type ways. I guess I've just never thought about that. That's just such a great point. How would you say that someone in that definition that you just gave there that is moderately abundant, but also moderate scarcity is being shown as well? How are they being abundant, but then also showing signs of scarcity in their actions? Well, I think, you know, that's kind of what's so fascinating to me is the nuances depend on the individual. But to your question, the simplest way that I'm finding to bring people to an understanding of it is if you're doing responsible things, you know, you're saving money. And the example I always give is, and I had a client who fell into this category, the guy who, again, was doing everything right, you know, saving for retirement, saving for kids' college and all that. But to the point where he was afraid to take a vacation with his family or even take his kids to Disney World, and he lived right here in Orlando. So that's, you know, whenever you see an underlying sense of fear, and sometimes it's like you said, I'm afraid to even invest in myself or my businesses or whatever, then to me, that's some scarcity seeping in. And I don't think we're just black and white, one or the other. I think, you know, what I'm seeing with my clients anyway, is that it comes and goes depending on life circumstances. You know, and I, well, the gentleman that I met with the other day, when he was telling me that he saw himself on every page of the book and didn't realize he was operating from scarcity, you know, one of the questions I asked him was, is this a residual, do you think, um, from the 2008 crash? Because I know that his business suffered during that, as did many. And he just said, absolutely. Like, I'm afraid to build it again. And then you wake up one day and it's all gone again. And what did we do this for? So, you know, I think we're all feeling, certainly in the United States, you know, some rippling effects still from the 08 crisis. I mean, you know, the country isn't really righted itself from all of that. And I don't know that it ever will because we're evolving to something newer and bigger and greater. But what I see, particularly in the baby boomers that I work with, is often, you know, they're looking back to the success that they knew in the 80s, maybe even the 90s. And they're wanting it to be that way again. And it's never going to be that way again because we have a completely different world. And that's the good news about it. It's just figuring out how do you fit into this this new economy, if you will, and how do you think about particularly the baby boomers? You know, they're looking at retirement and many of them are retired that I run across. and, And that's part of that reinventing work that we do together. But when you're reinventing It's not about looking backwards. It's about looking forwards and adjusting to the way the world is today from an abundant perspective. And to me, that's a very exciting opportunity. And for those of you guys listening out there, I mentioned it in the introduction, but the book, the official title here, The Pursuit of Time and Money, Step into Radical Abundance and Discover the Secret to a Meaningful and Prosperous Life. As we're starting to peel the layers back on this, which I think, you know, this sort of thing fascinates me, anything with the way the brain works and the mind works, especially around the financial world. But your book and your writing, really what you're aiming to do here is really unlocking the secret to what you say is a more profound way of utilizing your resources. So I want to camp out on that for just a moment. But then also the quote that I mentioned a few minutes ago that I want to dive into deeper is prosperity has little to do with how much time or money you actually have, which is where most people start from. You say prosperity is a mindset. It's a place to come from, not a place to get to. And those underlying beliefs and those stories are what really keep us in these thoughts or, you know, sabotaging beliefs that we have. Explain that to us as far as just the relationship with time and money and why prosperity is a mindset and a place to come from, not necessarily a place to get to as we're led to believe today. 
Well, when I think about getting to, you know, it's that whole drive that most of us have in business if I need to make more and more and, you know, the bigger house, more cars and all of that. And that's the American way. And I've certainly done that, been there. You know, I love all that stuff. And but I also think of the many places that I've been to in third world countries where they have little or next to nothing. And I myself grew up in a very, very poor family. We had nothing. I mean, literally, you know, not always there. And I never knew that we were poor. I just never knew that. I mean, I was brought up by my grandmother and we we lived a very happy life and, you know, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't easy. I mean, I, I didn't have my parents there. So there were not, you know, everything wasn't like a wonderful, rosy world, but we knew prosperity because we had deep spiritual values and I was very loved by my grandmother and that was all I knew. And I see that when I, you know, I was in Sri Lanka two years ago and I saw the joy in the people there, even people that were very, very poor in Costa Rica, in Mexico last week, you know? And so to me, it is that mindset. And when I talk about radical abundance, it's really about having a meaningful life of joy and prosperity, no matter what your life circumstances are about. And I'm not just speaking from research. As I was sharing with someone the other day, my husband and I had a son who was born with a very rare metabolic disorder, and we lost our son in 2008. And Michael was only supposed to live to the age of two. He lived to the age of 27. But he had four years of critical, critical illness where he was in and out of the hospital that whole time. And I can tell you, trying to run, you know, at that time we had two businesses. We have three now between us. But you're trying to run your businesses. You're trying to service your clients. You know, I literally was working, you know, many nights through the night in the bathroom, my laptop preparing for, you know, a client the next day while I was in the hospital with him. And you're scared to death that you're going to lose your health insurance any day. You know, so I get what the American family, you know, is up against in a very real concrete way. But I will tell you that even in the midst of of all of that, we found a lot of joy. We were in a state of prosperity as a family, you know, and we laughed a lot and we cried a lot, too. But I was very blessed, I think, and my husband as well that we never fell into, oh my gosh, we're victims and why has this happened to us? You know, we just kind of knew this is part of our journey. This is, you know, Michael's journey. This is what God had in mind for our family. And we moved forward from there. And so, you know, for me, that mindset of prosperity and the whole idea of time and money, and and really, I think, Jared, the, the real thing I want people to get is when we look at those resources Are we using them in ways that honor the greater good of our society or God, if you believe in God or your family and the people that you love? You know, and when I look back over Michael's life, I know that my husband and I made a lot of mistakes, but we did the best we could in terms of investing our time and money in him. I mean, he was the priority. And one of the stories that I share often is there was a period when Michael was in middle school where my husband was in between building opportunities. My husband's a land developer. And, you know, we had some embezzlement issues where we had to kind of close down one of the businesses due due to a, you know, a, a long and drawn out thing that was going on. And I remember him coming to me and saying, you know, this would be a great time for us to take a trip with Michael across the United States. Michael was in middle school, I believe. And I said, are you crazy? I mean, like you're out of work. And, you know, I mean, I just couldn't see us taking time off like that. And he said, you know, he's never going to be this age again, and he's probably never going to really want to hang out with us again. And we may not be the best financially right now, but I have the time. 
And so we did that. He flew out to, or he drove out to California to stay with, or to visit a friend of his that was dying of cancer. And Mike and I flew out there with his canine companion dog and the wheelchair and all that good stuff. And we drove back as a family for six weeks. We didn't have reservations. We didn't know where we were going to stay. It was just kind of like we wound up wherever we wound up. And it was one of the greatest six weeks of our life as a family together. And when my son was ill, that was the stories that he talked about. Yeah. Was it the risk? Sure it was because he was out of work and I was in between things, but I don't regret it You know, for one minute. You can always make more money. But Michael knew that this was his time with us. So that's a piece of what I'm kind of alluding to is the book really flows from let's look where you were and the stories that you you know were, were exposed to as a child to where are you now at the end of it and how well are you loving and how well are you investing in those uh, that you care about, whether it be at work or in your personal life. As you were talking there about you hit the nail on the head, you can always make more money, but you can't go back and get that time back and have those experiences. And I was reminded, I, I mentioned it on a podcast quite a while back that I'm not going to remember the numbers, but if you do the math on it from the time your children are born, you know, you've got X amount of weekends with them until they get ready to go off to college or move out of the house. I can't remember what the graphic was showing. But by the time they're five, which is not very old, I mean, you look at the numbers and it's sliced so far down to such a small number. It just really puts things in perspective. And I was really trying to read between the lines here of what you were saying. So much of your book, I think, is fair to say, and I don't want to mess this up here, but I think from what I've seen so far, so much of your book talking about time and money, really what you alluded to was there's so much more there than just time and money. It's what you're doing with those things. And so want to link up, if it's okay with you are the appendixes that you have in the book, the time matrix appendix and the money matrix, but then also the cycle of freedom, which is stewardship, compassion, generosity, gratitude, greater love for self and others, greater love for humanity. You know, and in the middle of it, it says cycle of freedom. Well, none of that really has to do with time and money in and of itself, but what can you do with that time and money that allows you to have that cycle of freedom? I think that's the bigger message that your book is pointing to in this abundance mentality. Am I correct on that? Absolutely, because the cycle of freedom really came, you know, it evolved out of the writing. When I, as I was writing, I really began to see, you know, what is it that would really shift if I stepped into or, or any of us did to a mindset of abundance and prosperity and radical, you know, radical abundance at that. And I saw it's just so freeing. I mean, I live that now. You know, I feel most of the time, it doesn't always, you know, not every day, but most of the time I just feel such freedom in knowing that whatever I have is enough. And some days it's more than others. And, you know, some days you think you're on top of the world and you lose a client that you were really counting on or whatever. I mean, we all go through those ups and downs in business, but I stay focused on the purpose of the work and who God's put in front of me. And that's kind of my heart desire is for people to experience that level of freedom and not be in bondage to the clock or, you know, their checking account. Yeah, I'm curious to hear your answer on this. But for those of you listening in, if you go to the show notes here after I link everything up in this podcast airs, I want you guys to check out both of the appendix items that I just mentioned, the money matrix and the time matrix, not to just sit here and read these things off. But I think it's really important for people to see or hear what your work is showing here. But there's high money scarcity all the way over to high money abundance and a little bit in between of inadequate, moderate or capable or creative thinking. But on the real titles of the columns there, you've got self-efficacy, you've got financial responsibility, ability to plan for a future and then potential for generosity. And then 
lack of generosity, forced generosity, all those things all the way out to a generous heart, really what the goal should be that we're all trying to get to. So I think it's so awesome the way you laid this out. And then same idea on the time matrix. It's dealing with time, but in those same categories. So I want you guys to go check all of that out in the show notes whenever I link it up. The question I would ask that might challenge it a little bit to a listener out there is, okay, sure, we would all want to be more financially free. We would all want to be in an abundance mentality. We would all want to be more carefree or giving with our time and with our money. To where we're not in bondage to that. But Sharon, gosh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I am. You don't know how little of those things I have or how far from those things I am right now in my financial situation. What would you tell someone like that based on your research to give them hope to really start working toward that idea of, again, prosperity is not a place you're going to. It's a place you're coming from. How would you really give them hope and encouragement for someone in that situation? Well, I think, you know, depending on the nature of the situation, there's a lot of people right now that are really helping people do the nuts and bolts stuff around the money element. You know, that's not my specific area, but I would encourage people, you know, to access some of those resources. Christina Wise is one of them. But then from the place that I'm coming, I'd say first step is, and thank you for mentioning the appendices. They're in the book. I know they're difficult to read in the book, and yet we felt they were important enough to offer them on the website. Oh, they're great. I love the way you, because there's a lot of data there, which sometimes can be really, you can make it more complex by trying to put it on a page or a couple of pages. And I love the way you guys. Well, thank you. And so I would say, you know, people, I would encourage them and invite them to take the time money inventory that's on the website, the timemoneybook.com. It's free. It's anonymous. That'll give them a, a simple report to kind of help them see where they might fall on that spectrum between scarcity and abundance. And then, you know, again, where there might need to be room for some changes. And then the book has a lot of reflective practices in it that will help people start to examine the mindsets. Because again, you can have all the tools and all the financial advice around you, but if your mindset doesn't shift, you're not going to make those changes or make those differences. So that in that situation, more money equals more problems. Talk about the coin phrase there. You know, if you're not in the right mindset, you could go try to get more money and be in a worse off place. And we've seen plenty of people I'm sure you have in that position. Well, exactly. And one of the things that came out of the data of the inventory, you know, there's many pieces that I've shared in there. And that matrix that you mentioned, it broke it down into the things that we saw emerge from that initial research. But one of them, for instance, was narcissistic generosity. And I've seen that quite a bit, you know, where people have a lot of money and they're running around doing a lot, what appears to be a lot of generous things, but there's a hole inside I'm trying to fill, you know, and I really am giving so that people will recognize me and I'll feel more loved or I'll feel, you know, more important or whatever. That's just another, you know, flip side of scarcity. So for the individuals that you're saying, you know, what would give them hope? The simplest thing, if they don't want to go on my website and they don't want to look at all this stuff, you know, or they don't want to buy the book and do reflective practices, I say do two simple things if you do nothing else. And this is something I do with all my clients. I ask them to write one page and answer two questions per page. The first question is, what do you believe about money? The second is, what do you believe about time? And the reason that I do that is some years ago, and I think any business owner can relate to this, I had a gentleman that worked for me that I I really invested quite a bit of time and money into, and he was a former client. He was a really, really smart guy. And for whatever reason, I just could not get him to produce to the level that I had hoped for. And then one day I asked the simple question, you know, what do you believe about people who have money? And his answer astonished me. He said, I think they're greedy egocentric and oppressive. 
And in that moment, Jared, I realized that no matter what I did, no matter how much I trained him, no matter what effort I put forth, you know, he's not going to produce because he was self-sabotaging his life. I mean, if you believe that about people who have money, why would you want to be one of those guys, right? Right, right. That was a real turning point for me that I really saw that what people believe about these two really most important vital resources that we use every single day has more to do with how we wind up on the other side of of, uh, wealth, prosperity, and success than anything else. Because again, this guy had a history of stop and starts and failures, and eventually I had to transition him out. But I don't think he's any different than any one of us. I think we all have those moments where you know, that scarcity seeps in and and we're comparing ourselves to somebody else or we get scared about, you know, advancing our business or taking a risk or, you know, whatever the situation might be. So I would say to your listeners, start with those two questions. And then, of course, I'd love you to take the inventory. And if you need a lot of extra support, I mean, there's so many of us out here that are doing this level of coaching or consulting. Um, You know, I do a lot of this in, in companies, again, you know, from the top down where we're looking at the systems in the organization as well, because they're often designed based on scarcity. And every system has hidden dynamics in it and hidden loyalties, you know, and whether it's a family system or a corporate system. So that's part of what, you know, I'm always doing is looking at all of these dynamics and then, you know, where do we have to have more awareness so that we can make those changes. So Sharon, there is so much meat here, and I'm just getting excited about the listeners being able to go out and, as we said, look through the appendices, look through these different resources that you have, not only on your website, but in the book. But if we take a step back, there's so much here. Sometimes running a podcast is easier than others, and sometimes it's difficult because there's just so many good things we can dive into. For my listeners out there that are getting their mind around, that maybe haven't read the book yet, but they're going to go do that or they're interested just for the purposes of this podcast, to get their mind around really your deeper underlying message behind all of this. If you had to break this down into a sentence or two of what is the real meat of this book at the core when you start peeling all of these layers of data back that you have and that you present, what would you say is that true meaning at the heart of all of this? Well, I think it's know your own paradigms, know your own thought patterns and how they're impacting your day-to-day decisions know if those decisions are coming from a place of scarcity or abundance. And then to me, the essence of that in terms of if we want to, you know, switch the road of where I'm at now is stewardship. And as I believe you know, stewardship in our faith tradition has more to do with an understanding that God is the creator of all things and he owns all things. And we are here as stewards, as individuals charged with the responsibility to care for these things, whether it's, you know, the water, the air, the trees, our money, our time, our loved ones, whatever it is, we're in charge of caring for them in responsible ways. Peter Block talks about it a bit differently. He talks about it in the context of sustainability, and certainly that works best when we're thinking of communities and and corporations and whatnot. But I'm asking myself that every single day. Am I being a good steward of my resources? Am I being a good steward of how I love others? You know, all of those questions constantly. And it's amazing to me how many times a day I find myself going, no, you just wasted water. or No, you just wasted this. Or, you know, you threw away food for no reason or, or whatever. And that's been a big shift for me to, because I'm like anybody else. I, I was jokingly saying to someone the other day, you know, I'm a, I'm a shoe addict. I'm an Amazon book addict. I mean, you know, I like my stuff and I have a lot of stuff <laughs> and I'm trying to simplify my life 
and move a lot of this out. And the thing that's been really exciting for me is to think about this chapter of my life and really how much can I give away? And it's not just about things, it's about time and caring and putting effort. So I don't know, it's a lot more than one sentence, but to me, one word, stewardship, would be the most important place to start. And if people don't understand what that is, you know, there's a lot of available resources, certainly the book that I, you know, the chapter that I wrote about it in the book, I'm looking at stewardship from a perspective of what we call integral. It's based on the work of Ken Wilber and integral theory. And it's a very holistic approach where we look at it through a very specific lens that looks at the interior understanding of stewardship as well as how I exercise it in the collective out there in the world. Yeah, I knew that was going to be a tough question to break all of this down into a sentence or two, but I really like what you said there. I guess I was just kind of thinking here on the other side of the coin, we've talked a lot about scarcity and abundance from maybe one side of the coin. Based on what you just said, though, I guess people could actually get trapped up on the other side of the coin, too, basically saying I've wasted water. I've wasted, you know, am I being as resourceful? Am I being the sustainability idea or even what you alluded to before? It's am I being a good steward of my money by traveling and taking these trips, even though they're going to be great memories for our family or you think they could be? Are we being good stewards of our money by traveling when your husband was out of work and you were in between and those sort of things? You could, if you're not careful, get trapped up on that side of it as well by never traveling, as you mentioned before, and never doing these things like the person who wouldn't even go to Disney World, right, whenever they're living right there in Orlando. So for you listeners out there, I think you have to be really careful on both sides of the coin is how are you balancing or integrating the deeper meaning of all of this in your life and really not being from a place of scarcity on either side of the coin, but, you know, just doing everything that you can to build all of this in in a healthy way that leads to all the things that you're talking about here. Well, I think healthy and integration are two key words, Jared, because, you know, when you talked about and alluded to the cycle of freedom, one of the things that I think is really important in that conversation has to do with the greater love for self and others that comes out of that cycle. You know, I'd really like to emphasize the the love of self because that gets to caring for our mind, body, spirit, our souls. You know, sometimes if I, people are in scarcity, they have trouble, you know, spending time and money on themselves. I think women particularly have trouble with this when they have young children. But it's the old oxygen on the mask first, on my face first, you know, kind of thing. And then it also goes to self-love and self-compassion when we do make mistakes, because we do. You know, we make bad business decisions. We have a spending spree we wish we hadn't had, you know, whatever. And then there's guilt and all that and shame that comes from that. And I think, you know, I really want people to understand that those are all learning opportunities. You know, if I hire the wrong person or I I spend too much money on some marketing that didn't work out, you know, my husband is really good at reminding me of that. Those are all kind of the cost of doing business. You know, I'll tend to beat myself up if I hire the wrong person or whatever. Or, you know, sometimes with all the social media, you go in one direction and you find out, well, we should have done it this way. But those are, that's part of business. And I'm learning to enjoy the freedom of self-forgiveness in the context of all of that. And it's a process, I think, because, again, there's so many nuances that we are up against every day in terms of our, our professional and our personal lives. It's very, very complex. And when you add to it the stages of development and the fact that we're growing and morphing and changing or worse yet, we're stuck somewhere, it really can make things almost overwhelming. I'm trying to bring it to a place and simplify it for people as best I can so that they won't feel overwhelmed and they'll step into that radical abundance with greater ease. That is great. And and like you said, you don't see a lot of that out there. You know, the stewardship message 
for most of our society today is not a fancy, sexy, attractive message that people want to race toward. In fact, sometimes it's not magnetizing at all and they want to go away from it. But then it leads them off into a life of just very unsettling beliefs and unsettling actions toward what they really thought they were chasing after that leads to nowhere, right? For many of them in the context of what we're talking about today. As we're wrapping up the show here, thanks so much for your time. I just wanted to read off for you guys out there who are curious about grabbing the book. You can find it anywhere. Is there an audio version for this? I'm curious. I'm not yet. We're going to do that a little bit later. Gotcha. We are also offering, uh, once the book is ordered, we're going to be sending out a PDF of the reflective questions that are in the book, because what I'm recommending is read it first because the reflective questions, you know, you want to go a little bit deeper and then you can go back and do the questions at your leisure. So we're just doing a PDF to help people with that process so they don't have to keep flipping back and forth into the book. Got it. That's great. And you can get it at amazon.com, Barnes and Noble or on your website. I'll link all of that up in the show notes. And before we get off here, I just wanted to make sure that I I just love the sections of the book. And within each one of these guys, as you're listening in, there's just so many layers that I could go on and on about. But really, the section by section is starts with the challenge, just developing your awareness of thoughts and behaviors. So these all build on each other. Developing your awareness of thoughts and behaviors, the vision, letting go of the fear, like we talked about, and then the opportunity, stepping into your biggest life. And then lastly, the solution, the end cap here, the summit is shifting to a paradigm of radical abundance. And that's where you really dive into the new perspective on money, new perspective on time, the cycle of freedom, as we talked about, and then just that whole idea of radical abundance around a meaningful and prosperous life. So guys, go get your copy out there. You need to get this because it's just such a different way of thinking about where really I think our souls are more content and we're more joyful about what we're doing in this rat race of life and reframing it in a different way. So thanks so much for your time here today and for your research. I think it's going to help a, a ton of people really reframe where they thought they were going and maybe turn a different course and go differently on all of this. Well, thank you, Jared. I appreciate your great questions and your support of the book and the work itself and the work that you're doing out there via this podcast. It's been an honor and a privilege to have this time with you. Absolutely. And where can we steer more people your way? A couple of times we've mentioned the website and we've mentioned a couple of different places, but where's the best place to find you as people dive in and want to know more? Well, the book, certainly the microsite is the timemoneybook.com. And then for me personally, if they need any additional support around the coaching or whatever, it's uh, SharonSpano.com. And the two are linked together. So you could find me and or the book either way. Great. Well, we thank you so much and wish you continued success as you're teaching more people about this very, very important idea that more and more people need to learn about. So I'm honored to be part of it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Guys, I love this conversation today with Dr. Spano and hope you took a ton away from the underlying message that we spoke about here when it comes to time and money and a scarcity versus abundance mentality and so much more. If you would like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to send a message over to my team at info at success101podcast.com or you can catch me in the world of social media on the Facebook Success 101 Podcast community page on Instagram under the name at success101podcast or on Snapchat under the name Jared S. Warren. I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of the Success 101 Podcast. Until then. Mm-hmm.